City Jazz Sessions is about great music, arts, and entertainment. We are located in St. Louis, Missouri, and available to performance art lovers worldwide. Follow us on YouTube, Facebook, Twitch, and Twitter. You can email us at cityjazzsessions at gmail.com. Well, hello, everybody. This is another uh, edition of City Jazz Sessions. Your host, Warren Harper, Magic Man 50, along with Leon Davis, the Lion King there. <laughs> lion Heart. Lion Heart. Where'd you the go? Lion Heart. The Lion or, okay. King. The lion yeah. heart. Anything with Lion yeah. in it. <laughs> <laughs> so today we got a special guest, St. Louis's own Jamal Nichols. Jamal, I'm going to read a little bit about your bio here. Okay, cool, cool. This is deep. This is deep. Hey, man. <laughs> Jamal Nichols, bassist, composer, arranger, and producer, was born and raised in St. Louis, Missouri. Jamal is from a rare breed of bassist musicians that is able to fluently go from electric bass to acoustic bass on any genre of music. His goal ultimately is to bring the world a new sound and voice on the bass and provide great musicianship to any artist that he works with as a sideman. He comes from a very musical family and was introduced to the bass at the age of 13 after years of watching his father play bass at church and for numerous or local artists on the R&B scene. Jamal started his own musical journey at Central Visual Performing Arts High School, also known as VAP, and North Carolina Central University, where he majored in music. It was there at Central Visual Performing Arts he was introduced to the upright bass and later to the electric bass. From this point on, Jamal intensely worked on perfecting his craft. Within 20 years of experience, Jamal has shared the stage with artists from all over the world, including Gregory Porter, Fontella Bass, John Faddis, Sean Jones, Terrell Stafford, Houston Person, Eric Roberson, Matt Wilson, Anat Cohen, Frank Foster, Julie Dexter, Anthony David, and many, many more. What a resume. Jamal, how you doing? I'm good, brother. I'm glad to be here. Happy to be here at City Jazz Sessions. Um, man, thank you for having me. It's been a it's been a while since I've been on here, actually. Yeah, it's been a while, and uh, you know, it's good to catch up. So what's going on right now with you? Um, what have you been up to? Uh, well, first, um, touring, of course, touring uh, still with Gregory. Uh, we basically picked back up um, steam from, you know, the two-year hiatus of COVID. Um, basically, just been going and going since earlier this year. You know, starting late last year, coming into the new year, kind of slow, but then gradually building up steam. Um, so just been doing that. And then also doing the process of everything i've been uh working on a new record too All of right. my own so my own my but this would be my third record coming out um looking at maybe the first quarter of next year of 23 this will be your third yes this will be my third well okay i'll definitely want to get a copy of that oh um, yes sir. what can you say about this new joint you're working on I'm coming from a couple of different angles that you don't normally see or hear me coming from. 
okay. with the with the different with the different kind of music and everything else like that. You know, some stuff is it's just gonna be a, a different, but it's gonna be me still. You're gonna be able to tell it's me from the sound, from the melodies, from the everything. Okay, so now are we gonna hear more electric or more upright? I don't know. A little bit of both. Actually, a little bit of both. You know, I mean, I'm not, I'm to the point right now in my musical career and where I am musically where, you know, I'm not going to sit up here and just play a bass solo over everything. You know, it's like, it's it's called growth. So I'm, right. I'm growing and I'm just enjoying the elements around me and accompanying the elements around me and making everything sound uh, with a with a solid foundation. Okay. Beyond. Uh, okay. <laughs> well, I mean, okay. Let me, let no, me, that's okay. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I, I mean, I thought I thought I'd have a chance to take a nap for this one, but no, you're gonna make me work. Gotta say something. All right, brother. How you doing? Uh, I'm good. How about yourself? So, I, my understanding is that you're gonna be in St. Louis soon. Yes, I, I actually, yeah, I'm, I live in St. Louis. Oh, okay. And so, but I'll be, but I actually will be um, at Jazz St. Louis on Wednesday night. So now the crowds, yeah. so you've been performing in St. Louis recently, right? No, I haven't been in in St. Louis. I tour the tour all over the the world with Gregory, um, but. Um, Whenever I'm home, sometimes you'll see me do a little pop-up gig. I, I rarely announce it, or if I do announce it, it'll be on my Facebook or IG page. Now, I remember during the summer, uh, they was uh, they were doing jazz at, um, what was that we used to go to, uh, Warren, uh, where they had the tent outside, the dark room? Dark yeah, room. yeah, it was the dark room. Did you sit in on the dark room? Uh, I had a show there last year. Late last year, so it was because it was cold outside, and they were just doing the tent still because COVID was still present and everything else like that. So I did that, and I uh, did it a couple of times with some friends that I was just a sideman for. Okay, okay. So you didn't sit in on any of the the, the jam sessions when um, um, uh, Ronnie was in town, and no, I missed all. Those. You missed all of that. Yeah, I miss all of that. So, how, so, 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 my question is, is, is how do you classify yourself as from St. Louis? Then, if you're not here doing music, <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you have to know my history prior to that. All right, well, so talk to me. I, Tell I, me. I grew, I grew up. I grew up from St. Louis. I went to Bath. I agreed with everybody here that you could think of during that time. So Willie Akins, rest in peace. Uh, Freddie Washington. Um, Gosh, man, it's 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 a, whoever you could think of, May Wheeler, Jeannie Trevor, uh, I get, I played with all of them, you know, and they, you know, took me in. Denise Times, they took me in all up under their wing because they heard something in me that I didn't even realize I had in me at that time, and and noticed that I brought something different to, to the table than what they're usually accustomed to hearing and everything. So I was just like, okay, I'm just going to keep going and building my repertoire, building up my knowledge of songs and my knowledge of music and just um, pushing myself more and more. And so I I remember going to Spruce at a young age, you know, sitting in with Willie 
and down to BD's, you know, being there at 16, 17, late night. I shouldn't even been there at that age, <laughs> but I was, you know, I was just there learning. I was going through what I had heard that the guys before me had did. You know, they were like, yeah, we used to go sit in at the Moose. I remember my first place that I ever went to sit in was with the twins, with the Boston twins at um, at um, the Moose. Yeah. And, and over there off of Newstead. And they, I mean, I was 15, 15, and they vouched for us. It was it was about four of us that night that was out hanging, and we was like, we're going to go see the Boston Twins because they were our teachers uh, at, at VAP. One of them was the teacher. Uh, Dwight, no, Dwight, I'm sorry. And uh, he, uh, they, they came, they saw us outside. They were like, yeah, we'll vouch for you guys. And so they vouched for us. We just sat in the back of the club. You know, nobody could really see us, and we sat in on a couple of, easy tunes that we jammed out on and then and then that was it so then later on I became uh, well later on I ended up going to college in North Carolina I didn't finish uh, school because I came into some financial issues and so I ended up uh, floating back and forth from St. Louis to doing cruise ships um, for, for about four years and so I was going in between that and so doing that I got my first professional professional gig professional touring gig i should say with uh fontella bass and fontella she grew she uh used to play for my father's side of the family church um and everything else so i knew of her so that was a familiar face but just traveling the world with a familiar face it, it actually helped and so um in between all of that uh i quickly became one of st louis's first call bass players Awesome. So, oh, go ahead. Did you have something more? So, yeah. Tell us, tell us a little bit about your relationship with uh, our, our good friend, the late Montez Coleman. Oh man. So, so Tez, man, he took me in at a very, very young age, early, um, and took me up under his wing. Uh, I think I had to have been like fifteen or sixteen. 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 Um, and uh, he and Tony Suggs had a had a trio, and they used to play together a whole lot. And so they took me in. They heard something from this 16 year old kid on Upright. That's when I first started playing Upright. And they was like, "Yeah, we need to hear the wood more." And so I was like, "Okay, cool." And so they used to come pick me up, talk to my mom before gigs. Like, "Yeah, we'll make sure we have them at home on time." You know, no drinking, no alcohol, no drugs or nothing like that. And so they actually looked out for me. Uh, Montez, he, um, you know, he never shied away from telling me what was straight up, you know, how to play this music or how to interpret the music, Um, whether it's R&B or funk or straight ahead. You know, it's like, man, his knowledge of music was just infinite. And... um, and our relationship just grew as time went on. Yeah, we, you know, butted head like like anybody else. You know, we're human and we're brothers. You know, and, and you know the the mentor became a friend, and then the friend became a brother. You know, and all, I'm still looking at it. I still look at him as a mentor because so many of us. From my generation, I mean, I, even though I'm not that far younger than he was, um, a lot of us that are closer to my age, we grew up 
through coming through his school of teaching around St. Louis, you know, just and when I say school of teaching, literally being at the club or on the bandstand with him and just getting, you know, your head busted open for however long the gig is because he's just that kind of dude who smile at you, one of the most potent smiles I've ever seen. And that's where I think a little bit that's where I got my smile from because I just watched him for years smile while he's playing. And it's like, you know, it's an infectious thing. And, and I don't even notice that I smile while I'm playing. But a lot of people are like, your smile is infectious. And, you know, do you realize that you're smiling like that? And a lot of times I don't realize it. And so it's not just, you know, the playing side that I got from them. It was that side of it, too. You know, the, the friendship side, the things that you that you would catch as just a regular person, you know, as, you know, he would just talk the way he would talk, the what we would talk about, you know, and a, a lot of times it's not just about music. We talk about sports. We talk about everyday living, you know, and everything else like that. And so for him, when he uh, left this place early this year, it's, I mean, it's still fresh, you know what I'm saying? It's still fresh. And I think for a lot of us, um, especially for me, I could, well, I only speak on behalf of myself. Since I've been going still, I haven't really had time to fully process it. You know what I'm saying? Because I'm still going. I'm still going. I'm always on the road. I'm, I'm still doing music. So just to sit back, sometimes I do have moments where, you know, I think about them a lot and uh, miss them a lot because sometimes, you know, uh, I lost my mom about six years ago. And same thing, you know, sometimes I go to my phone about to call my mom and She's not here no more. Like that's how I feel about him. Like I want to hit him up. Yo, right. back in town. Let's go. Right. Let's go get a drink or go grab some food. Nah, no, he's not here anymore. But he's always here with me here. I understand. Understand. Yeah. Any other uh, good mentors that you want to give a shout out to? Oh man, um, Tony Suggs is okay. is another one. Um, let's see who else. Um, uh, my dad, Wayne Nichols. Um, Corey James, um, Emmanuel Harold, Keon Harold, you know, all those guys, you know, I look at these guys like mentors, you know, even though some of, well, yeah, I think everybody's older than me, except for maybe one person. <laughs> <laughs> so what was it like working on cruise ships? Ooh, I say this as a musician, as uh, cause I was in the show band so the show band is the main band that's in that does the vegas shows and all that stuff like that mm. i would say being on the ship is not so much of a gig but a lifestyle if that makes sense mm -hmm. because you're doing the same thing every day or every week so depending on if you're doing a four or five or a seven day cruise so mainly seven day cruises so you're doing the same thing every week with a different group of people gotcha so the band, the band stays the same. The, the staff and stuff stays the same, but the passengers change. And so they come in, they they dock in Miami or wherever the dock is, and they unload and load back up and then go back out. So it's a lifestyle. So it's, it's like, okay, all right. So you, you get up, you do what you do. I mean, with us being musicians, we didn't have to work until late at night. So all day I'm free. So it's like, oh, okay, let me go ahead and uh, just hang out, talk to people, and or just stay in my cabin, you know, not do anything, or go to the gym, or go, you know, 
eat or work out or whatever you're gonna do, you know. So it's it's more so a um uh a lifestyle than a gig. And I mean, don't get me wrong, I I, I love the ports. I just got tired of seeing the same ones every week. I mean, I got you know, you go to Cosmail so many times. And I would do four month contracts. And mm-hmm. so it's like, yeah, that was the minimum that they would let you do unless you were subbing. But I wasn't subbing, I was there full time. So four month contracts, I was like, yeah, I'm ready to go. And so, uh, you know, I was like, I don't want to see any blue water for a while. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, it was like, nah, as I get older, I'm like, yeah, the, the good weather don't sound bad at all. <laughs> yeah, now you realize how good it was. <laughs> I got you. I got you. So I, I do have a question. So as, you know, having started in that profession at such a young age, mm-hmm. do you feel like, um, you know, there was other things that you could have done or might have wanted to do? Or are you just, you know, really settled into being a musician and that's, you know, that's that's the uh, great for you. Uh, that, for me, that's all I wanted to do. That's it from day one. That's what I, well, when I started getting into music around about maybe 11, 12, mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, this is something that I really want to do. Um, and so um, uh, it came a chance for me to do it in um, at, th- at 13 going on 14, going into high school. So I was like, okay, let me go ahead and get serious about it and not just uh, do it as a hobby. So um, I put forth the time and so much energy into it. Um, Along the way, I did pick up some little hobbies like uh, fixing computers and stuff like that because it made sense to me. But ultimately, music was the main thing that I just, that I focused all my time on. And from like after my first year of playing, I, I really dogged myself out because I was like, I, I wasn't good. I didn't feel as though I was good. I got talked about and everything else. People used to talk about my plan and stuff, you know, kids being in high school. So it's like, man, okay, let me go home. So that summer, I went home, summer of, uh, uh, what is it, 95. Uh, came back to school that next as a sophomore, and man, I did a full 360. Everybody was like, "This you're not the same dude," because <laughs> I sat there and I would literally practice for eight to ten hours that summer, that whole summer, working on reading, working on um, playing. Well, learning to play by ear came much harder to me than learning how to read. I don't know why, but it was just that you know for me. So I picked up on reading music and understanding theory more so than um, playing by ear. Like my, cause my dad, he's a bassist. He plays by ear. He doesn't read music. So, you know, he just naturally does it by ear. And so literally it took me years to, 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 uh, I wouldn't say mastery cause I'm still learning, but you know, just to get that craft up under my belt to where I'm more comfortable. So, hmm. You know, you 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 didn't have any formal, you know, training in in music. Um, yes and no. So yes, I did have some formal training from uh, my teacher uh, Thomas Moore. Uh, he uh, he's actually a guitar player, so mm-hmm. he never was. He, I never was formally introduced to a bass by a bass player besides my dad. So my dad, he never really taught me anything. He just well, he taught me a lot. I learned from watching him 
without him actually sitting down with me and telling me this is what this string is, this is what this string is, this is what this is, and this is what this is. No, I just watched and focused in all my energy on watching him and listening to him at the same time because it's like because he does he he has the facial expressions. I mean, we we mirror each other a lot of times, and so um, uh, I've never formally had a basis as a teacher. I had well. In college, I did have one. Uh, his name uh, is John Brown. Uh, he played a lot with, well, he played in, uh, I think, the last band that Elvin Jones had. And he was, he was fairly young at that age, too. And so he was uh, taking the bar. He was trying to take the bar at, uh, uh, I think, uh, Duke in North Carolina. And so he, he was in and out a lot of times. So I didn't really get this, get a chance to sit down with him for for a, a massive amount of time and so uh he uh but i mean i always look to look to him as as another cat that 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 i looked up to so, so what other instruments do you play uh i mess around on trombone uh flute uh piano some guitar and stuff like that so uh but not i'm not as fluent as i am on bass i mean i guess the secondary instrument that i can play a little bit is piano <laughs> what made you I, I, you may and you may have said this but what made you interested in in the bass what pushed you to to that and made you you know really decide that that was an instrument that you wanted to primarily work with oh uh, well two things my dad yeah uh, he plays, and I just used to watch him, and I just used to be in awe with what he did on the bass. And I was like, wow, okay. But then the second thing was there were – I wanted to play guitar. No, actually, I wanted to play drums first. And so I would practice with my dad on the drum pad. But then uh, when I went to school, I was like, okay, well, I don't really want to play drums anymore. I was like, well, my dad plays bass. Let me play guitar. So I was going to play guitar. And Mr. Moore – he was like, yeah, there's no more guitars. You got to play bass if you're going to play anything. I was like, okay, I'll play bass. So the bass chose me. Oh, okay. <laughs> In other words, I like the way you put that. <laughs> that, that happens. That happens. It, it when chose I was me. in school playing saxophone, I, I had an alto, but um, they didn't have an alto, and they threw me on a baritone. And I'm like, whoa, that's a big difference. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's the same instrument, just different size. Gotcha. Yep. So the E flat. So did you and your dad? Uh, do you guys play together? Do you collaborate? Uh, um, normally, normally with uh, basses, we don't really play together because all you need is one bass player in a band at a time. Um, but uh, he will be on my next record. Okay. Oh, awesome. So we'll we'll so we'll be able so we'll be playing and jamming together on on the record on a tune. So I want to throw this at you since you want to be different yeah. and uh, I, you, you created a arrangement for two bases. <laughs> oh, yeah. Huh? That, oh, yeah. That, now, that yeah. would be I cool, mean, wouldn't it? I mean, but, but, I mean, that has been done before. I mean, right. I mean you, got, you, got, you got the Super Bass album with Ray Brown, Chris McBride, and John Clayton. Okay. You know, where it's three upright bases at the same time playing, you know, uh, and it's a whole record. It's two, actually two whole records of that and so but but on normal gigs 
95 99 of the time is just one bass player playing at a time. <laughs> okay right. you know you could have you could have many saxophone play you could have as many horn players up there right. but normally the rhythm section i mean besides keyboard uh you're gonna have uh one bass player one drummer unless maybe you're james brown who does who used to do that sometimes okay so you do uh do you do big band music uh yeah, I play from big band to small group stuff. Yeah, yeah, I was um, I was fortunate enough around here to start with the um, uh, Jazz Edge Orchestra when it was under the direction of uh Robert Edwards, and then when Mr. Edwards left the Jazz Edge, he started his own band, and I was the bass player for that too. Okay, yeah, I I know uh, Willie Murray that used to play a Jazz Edge sax player. Oh, the uh, alto. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Willie Ray. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that that he to this day. I mean, I I know a bunch of cats on alto that have amazing sounds, amazing tones. But he was my first intro to what a uh, alto saxophone is supposed to sound like, and I was just floored by the way he would lead the sections with like how far he would swing. How far he would lay back on melodies and and the, I was like, okay, like playing little darling with him. You had to be focused because that's a ballad and he he's bending notes and laying it back, but it's all still in time. And so it's like, you know, between awesome. drums and bass, you have to be solid. Awesome. I never heard heard him play uh, live in a band. You know, <laughs> you missed out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I probably should have stuck with the lessons, but I didn't. <laughs> hey, it's all good. It happens. It happens. Yeah. So tell us how you met Gregory Porter. Oh, so I met Gregory. This had to been. This had been early before he was before he was Gregory Porter. You know, before he turned into the entity Gregory. So I met him at uh, Saint Nick's Pub in Harlem. I think this had to be like 2008, 2009, something. No, no, 2007. Okay. This had to be like 2007. Yeah, about 2006, seven. And um, I sat in uh, with the band uh, who uh, at that time it was Emmanuel Harold, uh, Chip Crawford, and um, uh, Aaron James was in the band, and Yosuke Sato was there, and. Um, uh, I was in town in New York. I was. This is when I was thinking about moving uh, to New York at that time, uh, just going up there to visit and stuff like that. And uh, ended up uh, hanging out with Tony Suggs, and he ended up he had a car, so we ended up driving over to uh, Saint Nick's Pub. And at Saint Nick's Pub, everything it was like wow, it was like that hole in the wall that had so much soul. And I was just like, wow, what's going on in here? Everything was going on. And mm. so, so yeah, so it was, um, it was, it was, it was very exciting to, uh, to meet him. You know, I heard about, you know, this cat didn't never really, uh, heard him before then. And then he, he opened up his mouth and we, I think we played like, uh, a minor blues minority or something. I can't remember what it was. What what would I sat in with him and stuff like that. And so that was my first time meeting him. And then um, 
ended up getting called to fill in for Aaron James, like maybe I think this had to be been two, either 2010 or 11. Uh, uh, where was it at? It was in New York. It was at the Winter Jazz Festival. At the Winter Jazz Festival and stuff like that. So, yeah. So this is so I I was there I was so I knew him before he became this this big mm. guy. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah. So are you guys really busy right now? Uh well, since it's coming up to the end of the year, we normally calm down around about mid-November. Okay. So so yeah, so we're uh, so literally we go out this week for one show, come back, then leave out the next week for about about four weeks i think i come back home on the 20th of november and then after that we're off until mid-july not mid-july sorry mid-january uh going to uh south africa okay so you're gonna leave after the show here yeah yeah so after the show wednesday uh we fly to uh to uh the uk oh uk uh, on thursday on the third on thursday and then we leave on Thursday, then we arrive there on Friday morning. <laughs> It'll be Friday morning by the time we get there. So how do you compare playing over in Europe as opposed to playing over here in the States? Um, I would say over in Europe, it's the crowds are more, they, they are appreciative of what they're hearing. Yeah. Um, a lot of times here in the states, you know, we get caught up in the, the glitz and the glory of everything, and um, mm-hmm. uh, and it takes away from the actual artist and the art that's being presented. Uh, over there, like in certain areas of France or Germany or even the UK, it just depends on where you are. Like, you'll be playing and you'll be playing your your heart out and. Next thing you know, you don't hear anything. You like while you're playing, you like normally you hear somebody with a reaction or something like play, play, yeah, yeah, something. <laughs> it's like you can hear a pin drop, and then when the song is over, you hear this explosive eruption of applause mm-hmm. because they are listening. They are trying. They are focusing in on what everybody on that stage is doing to accompany each other. So. I mean, I love I love playing in the states, and I love playing over there too. You know, I just know that over there, you know, you they do have a uh, a fondness of art over there. Yeah, yeah. I think um, I watch a lot of the old videos of cats. You know, when when a lot of the brothers went over to Europe and yeah, you just watched the scene, and and those guys are just sitting there, just sucking it in, quiet as a mouse, but they are focused oh. on it. Oh yeah, and that's and that's how it is. Like, it, I mean, because I've played those a couple of those same rooms that you know, like um, you know, that's in Austria or or mm-hmm. something that you know you see Coltrane or Monk or Miles. Somebody's playing over there. It's like, oh wow, like they played this same venue. So it's it's, it's one of those nostalgic things too. Wow, awesome. So awesome. being on the road so much. Um, do you feel like your life is out of a suitcase or are you home enough to keep you grounded? Well, I mean, I could, I'm going to speak to prior to the uh, pandemic. Yeah. I, I felt as though I was living out of my suitcase. A lot of people are like, where are you from? Where do you live? 
filing my suitcase. <laughs> so, you know, it's like, okay. Uh, yeah, because, I mean, with Gregory's schedule prior to the um, the pandemic, we were doing 200 plus dates a year. Yeah, so it's like you, you, you're constantly going, you're constantly, you know, sleeping. You know, I have moments where I would wake up in the middle of the night in in some random hotel, wherever we are staying at, and not knowing where I am because mm. I'm thinking I'm in the, the prior room the day before and everything's backwards. So I'm like, I wake up in a panic. I'm like, wait a minute, where am I? And I'm like, okay, let me calm down. Okay, Man. this is where you are. You're in France. You're in Paris. You're in... Uh, you're in uh, Moscow. You're wherever we, wherever we will be. And so it's like, ah, okay, I can breathe now. <laughs> hmm. So did you anticipate that? I mean, what you know? Did anyone help you prepare for that you know, kind of lifestyle no. on the road? Is just no. That's not. That's nothing that no one can prepare you for. All they can do is tell you, and then you have to learn on the job. Because, like, I can tell cats, like, the younger generation of cats, um, I can give them advice on what to do that can help them. But it's ultimately up to them to to uh, find their own way and deal with it because everybody's different, like, uh, as a human. Um, some people can sleep on planes. Some people can sleep on trains. Some people can sleep in different beds because sometimes those beds are not that comfortable. So it's like, okay, uh, you know, you may be staying a four-star hotel or four or five-star hotel in London is not the same as a four or five-star in Romania. So it just, so it just depends. It's like everybody's body and temperament is different. So it's 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 majority of it's it's mental, but also it is physical, because I mean, you know, that's why they try to get you in at least a day ahead of time. Uh, on international travels because that way your body can somewhat acclimate to the new time zone. Right. Instead of just coming straight in on a flight. But I have done that too. Just come straight in on a flight and go straight to the stage from the States. You know, it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> so I got a question. Mm -hmm. What places have had the best food? <laughs> oh. Let's see. Um... <laughs> Uh, I mean, Seoul, South Korea. Okay. Mm, okay. Australia. Um, 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 what is it? Um, Austria. Mm -hmm. uh, certain parts of Germany. Uh, oh. That was my first, like, experiencing, like, a schnitzel. Like, you know, that, you know, you don't really get that over here in the States like that. Uh, but having a schnitzel was, I was like, okay, this is pretty cool over here in Germany. Um, France also, yeah. One of my favorite restaurants is in Paris, actually. Okay. It's, a, it's a West African place called uh, Babylon Bis. And, man, I... Me talking about it wouldn't even give it justice. You have to try it. So if you, if anybody listening or you guys, if you ever get a chance to go to Paris, go to a place called Babylon Bis. I'm giving it a free plug. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you won't be, you won't be disappointed. Trust me. <laughs> you know, I, I was like, man, this is like I could literally eat that every day. 
Mm. I could eat it every day. It's that good. Never I would had a bad it. I mean, picture like braised chicken, uh, rice, plantains, spices, mm. um, red beans. I mm. mean, it's it's good. It's West African, man. It's so good. So so good. Making me hungry. Hey, man, you know. <laughs> so, uh, uh, have you worked with many women in the jazz field? Uh, yeah. You've had- yeah, I have. I've, I've worked with different uh, ladies um, from, uh, uh, like I said, uh, Lakeisha Benjamin mm-hmm. is one, uh, Tia Fuller, um, who else? Um Oh, Somi. Her name is some jazz singer, Somi. Oh, just world singer, actually. Uh, Somi, who else? Um, see, now I'm drawing a blank. I played with so many. No, I understand. Yeah, right, those, you played with those, so many. Those, those are, yeah, I played with so many. Yeah, I love, love, and they all are different in their own sure. way. They are all amazing. So with, with, with doing so many different things and, you know, uh, so many different venues and, Plan one night here, two nights there, a month here, six months there. How did you? How do you? How did you document or keep track of you know those ideas and memories? I don't know. Do you? Were you, were you a photographer? You just keep uh, you know programs. You know, I'm sure you you kept some kind of memento or or. Oh yeah. Did oh you, yeah. I have I have different things that I do that so you collect. I'm not yeah. really a I'm not really a photographer, but sometimes I will photograph some things but um i would keep like for years i would keep hotel keys <laughs> um it's, it's it's weird i would keep hotel keys ink pens from the room mm-hmm. um i would keep uh, airplane tickets i still have a lot of that stuff from early on traveling um i have I mean, passports that I had to get renewed. Mm-hmm. Um, um, what else? Um, I would, uh, uh, lanyards, like, I'm, I'm speaking of that like this. Uh-huh. Tag, like, I have, uh, I have so many of these, it's, it's ridiculous. Um, um, I would do, like, videos, like, um, at the time, uh, doing like screen shots of, of shows that be on um, like different websites and on YouTube. And so I would post like different sections, like whether it be myself soloing or something that the band was sounding good together on or something like that. Um, and uh, yeah, I have ink pens, man, I have so much stuff like moments. I have like three or four totes of stuff <laughs> that I just <laughs> held on to. It's like, okay, like I want to pass it down to my kids so they can see, hey, I have, you know, my dad did do this or do that with this, with these people. I like even, like sometimes I would even take like the poster. I didn't have, really have no room to put it in my suitcase. Like it'll be a poster on the outside of the venue. I would ask them, could I get that poster? And because it had my name on it. So anything that has my name on it, whether it be programs or posters or anything like that. Right, right, right. Yeah. So, do the fans overseas like to do like they do over here? A lot of them trying to take videos and stuff like that. Was that more? Uh, yeah, they do. They they take videos, but they're you know 
you don't have a, a whole section of people with their phone out. You know, you may have like one or two people scattered or three, maybe 10 people scattered throughout the place with their phone out recording certain things, but not the whole set. Like here in the States, like I, I remember one time, I can't remember where we were. I sat and watched this lady record the whole so record the, either either she was recording the whole show or she was on FaceTime with somebody <laughs> in the front row in the front row. So Giving like, out a free concert, huh? Gonna hide that? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know if she was on Facebook Live or if she was just recording it. No shame. Go back. Go back and just you know have a reference of because a lot of people do do that you know they record sure. or they'll do a voice memo just just because it's a special moment happening for a lot of people and even for us on the bandstand especially for us because especially in this band because every night is different because we we may we we don't play always play the same songs every night some and every night Gregory he'll sing it differently or we'll play it differently. Just, just to keep the, you know, keep the iron sharp and just constantly pushing each other. Right, right. Yeah. Okay. So what? What so are some? Of, I'm sorry. What are some of? What are some of the the drawbacks or difficult challenges that you have uh, felt that you've experienced in your your musical career? Um. Well, let's say. I mean. Mm, that's a that's a good question. Um, some of the drawbacks uh, I would say would be possibly like I mean don't get me wrong, traveling is cool, but it can be tiring. <laughs> it can wear you down. It can it can like it can control you. Like literally, before the pandemic, I felt my body. My body was behind itself about maybe five years. Like I, cause I kept pushing myself to keep going. I keep, you know, and mm-hmm. it's like, okay, now I'm getting older. I don't, you know, I don't know, you know, do you, because music has changed quite a bit. Like, okay, do you, do you see yourself touring at the age of 75 mm-hmm. or the age of 60, you know, out here doing the road warrior stuff, you know, and it's like, do you want to do that? So you, I have to ask myself that kind of stuff. And, um, I would say, um, uh, you know, also just trying to keep a stable diet out there or just a regiment to where you can stick to, to where you don't, uh, you don't burn yourself out on eating fast food or bad foods and stuff like that. So, you know, you have to be mindful of that, um, uh, and not get caught up into the rat race of, uh, uh, drowning out your sorrows and liquor and drugs too you know so i say i try to stay i try to stay away from that like i'll have a drink occasionally and you know but not get drunk it was a point in time where i did drink a lot but not to the point where i wasn't operable it's like i just was like okay i need to go to bed you know (laughs) okay i'm gonna have a couple of drinks and i'm going to bed but that's about it right that's that, that maturity level you know, oh yeah! All the fun yeah, is no, great. No one to say when. No one to say when. Right. No one. <laughs> no one. No one. Enough fun is enough fun. There you go. There you know you go. nothing good happens outside after midnight. Hey man, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so I know you're not married, right? Nope. All right. I want to throw that out there for all them hot women. 
Um, there you go. So <laughs> <laughs> he said, "He said, hold it down." Now you, somebody might be uh, hating on that. <laughs> well, I mean, so so I'm sure you've you know with all of the traveling and stuff, you've had you know many opportunities to meet you know people that have that share your interests and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. You know why 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 are you still single? I mean, I have a. I have one of the hardest jobs in the world uh, where, you know, a lot of trust has to come into it. Mm-hmm. A lot of trust, uh, you know, cause people think cause you're out here on the road that you uh, you're doing this and you're doing that. And you think they think a lot of times, a lot of people think that it's all fun and games, but it's not. I'm in my room sleep <laughs> or trying to get sleep. So, you know, it's, it's just, everybody's different. You know, everybody has a different story about who or what they do on the road. I mean, me, myself, personally, I try to stay out the way and just, you know, go to my room and keep, keep, uh, what, what, what was the saying that my friends say, keep the casualties low. <laughs> <laughs> say zero to low. <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. Road life. Yeah, road life is the road life. It is what it is on so many different uh, aspects of it, you know. So what do you think now some you, of the, No, good. What do you think some of the greatest changes to music have been during the, the, your career? Uh, technology. Technology, you know, being able to um, uh, cut music from home, like Literally, I have people that will send me tracks or music, anything like that, and say, "Man, I need bass over this. Can what can you do? Can you can you play bass over this? Yeah, I can play bass over. No problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no problem. So what I do, I set up. I have a studio set up here at home um, that I also travel with, uh, so it's portable, and I can record bass anywhere in the world that I want to, unless it's upright. Upright, I do mainly at home. Unless mm-hmm. it's in a studio um, in whatever city we're we're at, but because um, I don't travel with my upright bass with me, mm-hmm. uh, my electric bass I travel with me. Uh, so I'll you know nine times out of ten it'll be somebody asking for some electric bass, and so I'm like okay cool, not a problem. I'll you know throw bass on it and throw it, send it back to them you know in an hour. So it's like man, you know you get you get to do that like technology is is so it's so much better than what it was when I was coming up, like in the nineties and even in the early two thousands, you know, it's like, man, you know, uh, cameras are nice now. So you can catch footage, footage of yourself posted on social media. You know, that's, that's where the things have changed. Social media also, you know, being out there playing, uh, uh, posting yourself and you, you, you're basically promoting your, yourself, you know, sure. for the most part. So, so um, one of the issues that we deal with, you know, doing this show is we like to have artists, you know, play some of their music or, um, you know, they do covers and that kind of stuff. And, and mm-hmm. we have to deal with uh, copyright issues. Yep. So, you know, how, how has your challenges been with copywriting? Uh, well, with copywriting, I haven't really had any problems out of that because, uh, especially like re- recording music, you have to just get the license. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. um, to be able to do that. So you pay for that um, before it comes out, and and that's and it goes off of that, and you have it set up to where you can have it automatically taken out, mm, okay. or you can just do it yourself. Um, so yeah, I I go through like easy song licensing and stuff like that, sites like that, that where I can just put in the information and it just takes it on out. So technology again has has made life easy as far as the uh, the copywriting stuff has for you. Yeah, guys. yeah, yeah. So I mean, it's 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 cool. I mean, I I like it. I like you know, you know, it, people being able to um, to to keep keep tabs on that stuff because um, mm-hmm. somebody may do a original do a version of one of my songs per se and, that I've written, and you know, of course, you won't you you probably get something from the back end from that too. So it's always good to keep having an eye out for that. Mm-hmm. So do you, um, you know, do you have a desire to, to punch Spotify in the face? Uh, <laughs> are they paying you money? Well, are you? Well, I, I have, I have, I have, I'm, I'm, in, I'm torn in between because um, being that I don't have management or anything like that, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's a good way for me to put my music out there. And, and I think... It had to be like I think what I got was some crazy number like a hundred dollars or something like that seventy five dollars or something like that. Follow <laughs> <All those> plays. <laughs> yeah, so it's like okay, but you know, but then at the same time, it gives me that uh, that future reference of people knowing who I am. You know, oh, this is Jamal Nichols. I, I'm, I'm I'm familiar with your work. Or I'm familiar with you for playing for this guy, but I've been looking for your good that my stuff is on all those like on Spotify, Tidal, Apple Music, everything else like that. I, I'm, I'm all for people, you know, uh, uh, listening and streaming or downloading my music because I mean, either way, you know, it's, it's, it's coming back around to me. But then at the same time, it's broadening my sure. world. Yeah, hopefully uh, it, it'll create some ticket sales, maybe. Hey, man, you know. You know, hopefully. So let's, let's talk about this upcoming show. Let's give us um, some details, who you got and uh, what you're going to do. Okay, uh, I have joining me uh, Carlos Scooter Brown on alto sax, uh, on piano, Adam Manis. Oh. And on drums, Emmanuel Harold, who I tour with Gregory Porter also with. Awesome line up there. Yeah, and then, and then I have a couple of then I have a couple of guests that's gonna come through too. I remember when last couple of times I was talking to Montez, he he threw that name out. He said that look out for him. Carlos. Uh, uh, Carlos. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Carlos. Yeah. He's 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 a he's a he's a force. Definitely that that's on his way to great things. Um, always loved playing with him from even from when he was uh. Uh, I remember meeting him for the first time. I think it was uh, 2009, 10. We did um, Keon's his first record uh, CD release party at the at the bistro, and um, um, he came, uh, his dad Carlos Senior brought him to the brought him to the spot, and I was just like, I just remembered him being this young high school kid or young young dude. I was like, okay, cool, 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 and now it's like. He's 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 on his way to being one of the cats now, 
And um, he right. he'll actually he actually fills in for the saxophone player for us with Gregory sometimes whenever he can't make it. Juice. No, no, Yosuke's been gone for about six, seven years now. Oh, he's been gone that long. Oh, yeah, wow. he's been gone a long time. Yeah, so he's okay. been. Uh, I think he. Yeah, so it's, right now it's Tavon Pennycott. Okay, I met him when that time when he was at the old bistro. That was mm-hmm. wild. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was like that was probably like about 10 or 11 something like that yeah yeah it's been a while yeah yeah okay well i would really um hope that gregory will come back soon (laughs) yeah i mean i'm hoping so too maybe you know because i mean the last time we did something i think it was before last year i think it was at the two hill a few years ago few years back like 2016 15 16 or something like that because it's been it's been a minute since he's came through here but right. i mean he's always close by we're always close by like sometimes we'll do something a lot of stuff in chicago or um we haven't been to kansas city uh, we did memphis not too long ago too so yeah so we not you know nothing too far away like we were in indianapolis and everything else like that so we we always come close but never to st louis <laughs> So does he have his uh, tour uh, schedule posted somewhere? Uh, yes, on his website, gregoryporter.com. Okay, cool. I'll check that out yeah. sometimes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He has shows. Yeah, he have. It'll be lined up. So yeah. Okay. Yeah. Maybe and then I'll we have that. time. We have different times of the year when we do the states. Uh, like we'll do like a month, a month and a half of the states, like in, like uh, early summer, late spring, early summer, something like that. Yeah, and then and then after the summer too. So, yeah, tell them St. Louis fans miss him. Come on back. Oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. He loves St. Louis too. He loves St. Louis. Okay. He he loves everything about St. Louis. He like the soul, the food, everything. <laughs> now, where is he from? Bakersfield, California. California. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. You play much out there? Um, whenever we do the state stuff. So yeah, we just did, uh, we just did Sacramento. We did a festival festival there and we also just did a Monterey. Right. Uh, Yep. And then also we did, um, earlier this summer, we did, uh, the Hollywood bowl. Oh, how is that venue? How how is it? Mm -hmm. Oh, it's cool. It's, it's very cool. It's, it's a cool place, man. I mean, the energy is always electronic. Uh, uh, I mean, always electric. And um, we did uh, the, um, they call it the the um, Hollywood Bowl Jazz Festival. Now it was called the Playboy Jazz Festival. So oh. there's no more Playboy Jazz Festival. So we did the Hollywood Bowl. And so with that festival, so when one band finishes, the stage just rotates oh, to the wow. next band. Yeah. So, so we're setting up behind. So so right before us was Kenny Garrett. So Kenny, no, 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 Christian, uh, Christian Scott. So Christian Scott, he, uh, they were playing. And so as they were ending their set, the stage just rotated around to us. And oh, man, so that's we cool. ended up playing. So yeah, so yeah. I mean, I love that venue. I love LA, period. <laughs> you know, just, I mean, from that venue, because you can see it's like a hill that goes up. And it's just a sea of people, and it's like wow. And you 
you see celebrities just hanging out in the in the front part in the private um vip sections and stuff like that or they may be backstage talking and everything else like that interesting yeah, yeah. Okay. to get back to cali well, all yeah. right uh, uh leon you got anything else no i'm pretty much done i did i, mean, I did did have one have one question though um hope i got an answer well, yeah, I'm sure you do. So what do, what do you want to do now from this point on to the end of to the end of your stage playing days? Cuz you mentioned at 75 you don't know if you want to be uh hopping hotels and I mean, right. I mean that that that's a whole thing within itself. I mean, right. I, I I'm still going to be working doing stuff, but I mean, I've I've gotten into doing scores or doing uh just getting to, into that section of because if you know you can you can you can create on the instant right there as as you're watching a movie or document or whatever you may be scoring the music to and you're just going with whatever the mood is right then and there like that that fascinates me um and i you know i kind of wish i got into it earlier mm -hmm. uh but you know better late than never um, because that's that's just a whole nother world that you know no one really uh, told me about. You know, all I just knew coming up was gotta play, gotta play music, gotta play music, gotta do everything live, gotta do this live, gotta do this live. But then I got into as as time went on, got into production and uh, and and scoring music and stuff like that. That's a whole different art form that that takes time to develop and to understand uh, certain programs, which comes back to the technology side of it. Yeah. You know, you know, that is all, you know, everything's not analog anymore. Right. You know, everything, you know, this is, everything's pretty much digital, digital you know, now, now yeah. you know, mm -hmm. you know, so it's like you, like, just like you pay your bills, you do it, you can do everything by your phone. You know, I remember back in the day, I came up in an age where my mom used to send me into nationals Pay my electric bill. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, we I, had I, nationals in long time. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. So you know, things have changed. Things, you have, know, changed. things have changed. Things have changed. You know, and even sometimes right. I had to catch my dad. Sometimes I had to help him out. Right. You know, right. with with uh, what's that? Uh, not PayPal, but uh, uh Cash App and stuff Cash like out. that. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, you know sending sending stuff. You know, to to his grandbabies and stuff like that. Oh man, okay, I got you. I'll send you some. Yeah, but you know everything like that. So yeah, so I mean, I see where things are right now. It's probably going to change again in the next ten years. Sure, it's always to something. It's always it's it. Everything's evolving and it's going at a fast rate. You know, and so it's like okay, I try to keep up on all the updated you know software and any type of sounds that I may need to help me progress to that next level because I'm always going I don't want to stay stagnant I don't want to stay just here at this at, like treading water I don't want to just tread water I just want to keep uplifting and keep going and even if I have you know um, helping out the younger generation too you right. know uh, upcoming cats who ha might have questions or anything like that don't I'm not one of those cats that you um you have to tiptoe or walk on egg shells and stuff. No, you can come and talk to me. I'm, I'm reachable. I will reply. I, you know, 
I, I don't, you know, hold back anything. If you have a question about any type of thing, whether it's live or traveling on the road or just dealing with life off of the road, because a lot of people, that's, that's a lot of things that a lot of uh, musicians don't talk about is life outside of the stage. You know mm-hmm. what do you do? What do you do when you're not on the road? Because it's like, okay, I, you you're a, you're an amazing musician, but do you have that instrument to attach to your body twenty four seven? Sure. Do you do you watch ESPN? Do you watch Game of Thrones? Do you watch anything? You know, you know stuff like that. You know, because sure. a lot of times, because a lot of times that will tell you about a person. What mm-hmm. kind of a person? You know, or do you want to be you know, do you still want to be like this person? Because a lot of the younger cats, they they look up to a lot of guys. Sure. But you know, but it's like, okay, do you do you want to stay doing this or do you want to do that? What do you want to do? And a lot of times, a lot of cats will explain to them like, oh no, I like I like playing chess or I play video games, mm-hmm. you know, or something like that. You know, I, I get on video games and I play video games, or I'll you know I like to go to the court play basketball. Stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. Things that tell you more about the person. Yeah, yeah, because it's more to it than just music. Absolutely. It's more, it's more to it. So how many, on the average, uh, guitar, uh, guitar player like yourself, how many uh, axes do you, does a guy have? <laughs> I stopped counting after two. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, at one point in time, I had so many. I used to have like two uprights, and like I, I think the most I probably counted at one point. Uh, I think I had like maybe twenty-five, twenty-six good bases. Okay. And and so I mean, it's not still it's still not far from that number, but I mean, I know I gave uh, a lot away to to to. Uh, People who I felt were deserving of it, mm-hmm. uh, and you—I uh, mean, around town. Like I've, I've given, you know, mainly it's been around town in St. Louis, um, giving my base to, uh, giving bases to at least three or four different cats, you know, because I'm not playing it anymore. It's just sitting there, right. you know. Right. I'm like, I, right. I, I, I want it to go to good use, and what I would tell them is like, please don't sell it, mm-hmm. you know. If you, because I'm giving it to you, you know, I can see if I sold it to you, then yeah, you can do whatever you want with it. But if you, if I gave it to you, please don't sell it. If you're not interested in the guitar anymore, either pay it forward to somebody or give it back. Sure. You know, and I and that and that's why I give it to cats who I know are deserving. Oh, not not even just deserving, but who I know who will uh, utilize it to its fullest potential. Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. So tell me, I listen to a lot of old school jazz because I, I just grew up listening to the stuff my daddy did, and he was born yeah. in Georgia. But mm-hmm. who was your favorite straight ahead old school bass player? Ooh, back going back. I mean, one. I mean, it's it's, it's a lot. <laughs> I mean, I have a lot, man, because I mean they were they were part of my foundation of learning. So I mean, if I was to pick just one, I would say. Uh, that mirrors me or how I feel it would be Ray Brown. Okay. Okay. That that would be like my number one, but I also listen to Paul Chambers, Slam Stewart, um, uh, Major Holly, 
um, uh, uh, Jimmy Garrison, um, Eddie Gomez, Al, mm-hmm. you know, all these different cats, man. It's it's you know the 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 list is endless. Sam Jones, yeah. Um, yeah. So many, it's so many people who I just listened to coming up as a kid, and even in my, you know, in my forties now, I'm like, I forgot about this record, and so I go back and revisit, you know, certain mm-hmm. records, and I'm like, wow, that okay, Ron Carter, you know, yeah, people like that, you know, it's like you got, and you got people like Ron Carter who are still out here, still out here, there, still out here working. You know, traveling, doing doing records and stuff like that. So yeah, it's it's man. But I'll say like those names. Out of all those names, I think Ray Brown touched me the most uh, as far as uh, what a bass and what a bass player should sound like and and what it feels like on on record and live. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, I, I would I would sit there and I would study him like. It, it was bad for me because I was just like just drawn into his his approach to music and it was like man and I'd never met well I did meet him on accident <laughs> I met him he was crossing the street at Grand in Washington oh. and I'm at the stoplight I'm at the stoplight so I just see somebody walking with, the, with a bass it didn't compute to me that Ray Brown had just performed, you know, finished the set at the club. And I was like, because I think I was on my way to a gig or just hanging or something. I can't remember what it was. And then I was like, oh, shit, that's Ray Brown. As I yelled out the window, Mr. Brown, I love you. And I look back, I just saw him throw up a hand, you know, throw up an arm. But it was like, man, because I, I was thinking, okay, it might that might be just somebody coming from the symphony or something like that i didn't put two and two together that right. you know it was he was coming from the club and so i was like oh man mm. dude that's what you know he's one of my heroes that i you know never got got a chance to meet um and right. I'm, I'm hoping to meet uh ron carter one day you know and um and talk to him for for a split second i'm i'm, I'm cool with his, his one of his sons oh before i go I want to tell you this story. So we did the uh, Hollywood Bowl, right? Um, festival. And so we normally all the artists stay at the uh, Lowe's, which is at the bottom of the hill, the Lowe's Hotel. And so um, I got on this, I got on the elevator going up to my room and this guy, he, 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 he was at the show. He was like, man, I really love your bass playing. And I was like, man, appreciate you, man. Appreciate you. And, um, uh, yeah, he was like, "Yeah, you may know my um, you may know you may have heard of my dad." I was like, "Who is your dad?" And uh, he was like, "Oh, Keita Betts." And I was like, "Oh, you know, basses for everybody to play with." He said, "My dad used to play for Ella Fitzgerald and a lot of different people." And I was like, "Oh, wow, okay." And so um, I kept running into this guy like <laughs> for the next day and from from that night to the next morning. I ran into him like maybe five times. And so that morning we we were about to leave the hotel going to the airport and saw him again. He was getting into his car, about to head back. I think he lived in uh Vegas. And um uh he was like, I got somebody I want you to meet. I was like, Okay, cool, cool, cool. And so 
he was like, yeah, man. He was like, this is, he, he was like, man, uh, uh, meet uh, Ray Brown Jr. I was like, <laughs> I said, it was crazy because those two cats, you know, their dads were uh, were very influential on my bass playing and my, you know, and I was like, man, to meet them was like meeting an extension of their their father. So I was like, because they looked just like I was like, man, I didn't put two and two together when I saw them, but then when I saw them, I was like, oh man, you know, that those are some of the cool moments that you get when you're touring and out because you never know who you're gonna run into or. Who, who, you know, I've had celebrities that want to meet me. I'm like, dude, you know who you are? Like, I'm, here to, I'm here to see you. I'm here to see y'all. Like, man, wow. Well, hopefully people will be saying that about this podcast, man. <laughs> yeah, man. Hopefully. Hopefully. Yes, sir. Definitely yeah. going to promote it. Okay. Well, um, it's been a pleasure having you on. We, we appreciate your time. It's a so, pleasure having you back on. For um, Wednesday, this this Wednesday, Jazz St. Yeah. Louis, Black Frequency, seven thirty. Yep. yep. Be there or be square. There it is, baby. All right, Jamal Nichols, y'all. Thank you. Appreciate you guys. Be safe. Peace. City Jazz Sessions is brought to you by St. Louis City Jazz, a five hundred one c three company dedicated to music education and appreciation. The CEO is Magic Man 50. And for more ways to connect with City Jazz Sessions, visit cityjazzsessions.wixsite.com slash St. Louis. The City Jazz Sessions team includes host, content director, and guest coordinator, jazz great Ronnie Barrage. Follow Ronnie at ronniebarrage.biz. Host, website designer, graphic artist, content director, and guest coordinator, singing sensation Leica. Discover more about Leica at LeicaMusic.com. Additional production services are provided by Lion's Den Productions. Go to thelionsdenstl.wixsite.com forward slash home. Please like, share, comment, and subscribe for more great content.